0: Welcome to our channel. As you take your time to listen to God's word today with us, we believe and pray that your faith will be strengthened up and we hope that this sermon will be a blessing to you as well as your family. What kind of relationship you have with God? What do you call Him as? The common answers that most people would say or I would find is, He's my father. He's my healer. He's my comforter. He's my provider. He's my savior. He's my everlasting God. He's the king of kings. He's the lord of lords. And, 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 and goes on. The answers goes on. But many people say or rarely they would say, God is my friend. God is my friend. And this morning I want to speak to you on this title or this question, can God be your friend? Can God be your friend? You know, God has always maintained a relationship between men and Him. Humanity has always had a relationship with God. Humanity has always been with God and in fellowship with God. But the idea of God being our friend is almost foreign to many people because we have kept god as this great i am the king of kings and the lord of lords and 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 he's a mighty god you know he's a omnipotent god he's an omnipresent god and and he is mighty he is marvelous of course he's all that but at the same time god is also your friend and when somebody says that god can be your friend It is hard for us to accept that, how a big God like that can be my friend. Realistically, we find it really hard to have a friendship relationship with God. We find it really hard to have a deeper, closer, intimate relationship with God like a friend. Now there are examples in the Bible where many people have been friends with God. Adam actually was a friend with God. Every day, God, it says in Genesis, God walked with them and spent time with Adam and Eve. They were in commune with God. Abraham was a friend of God. Enoch was a friend of God. Job was a friend of God. There was one more person in the Old Testament, which is very interesting, Uh, Moses had a face-to-face with God like a friend. If you read from uh, chapter uh, Exodus chapter 33, from verse 7 to 11, can the verses come on the screen? It says, Inside, uh, it was Moses' practice to take the tent of meeting and set it up some distance from the camp. Everyone who wanted to make a request of the Lord would go to the tent of meeting outside the camp. Whenever Moses went to the tent of meeting all the people would get up and stand in the entrances of their own tents. Now, if you imagine this story, it's quite dramatic, right? Everybody got their own tent, but Moses is walking down, and every time Moses is walking down, you all have to come out of your tent and stand. Moses. It's it's very dramatic. And, And whenever Moses went out to the tent of meeting, everybody would come out. They would stand for him. They would honor him. And then they would all watch Moses until he disappeared inside. So they made sure that he goes to the tent of meeting. They watched him disappear. Verse 9. He, as he went into the tent, now here comes the next dramatic thing. This is a supernatural thing. The pillar of cloud would come down and hover at its entrance while the Lord spoke with Moses you see people are giving reverence to Moses because he's going to talk to God you see supernaturally that the pillar of cloud is coming down imagine every time you went to prayer and you close your room and to pray a pillar of cloud comes down in front of your room and is always hovering around your house or your room it's 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 physically it's there And everybody in your street knows that Gedilia from Ayapanagar has gone into prayer. Or so and so is right now in the throne room of God and praying. And there is a physical evidence that you are in the presence of God. So people feared. People knew. But up to verse 9, it's so dramatic. It's so like large. It's like, You know, a a Batman movie sort of production. You know, it's a lot happening. And then verse 10, it says, When the people saw clouds standing at the entrance of the tent, they would stand and bow down in front of their own tents. The moment they saw God coming down, they would do what? They would bow down. They knew that God's presence is there. And here comes verse 11. Inside the tent of meeting. Now, this is outside. Alright? Outside, people are standing out for Moses as he's walking to the tent. Uh, The cloud is coming down as the presence of God comes. And as the cloud comes down, as the presence of God is there, immediately everybody starts bowing down towards the tent in reverence. And this is all happening where? Everybody shout. Outside. Externally. Outside. But on the inside the tent of the meeting, the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. No drama inside. Isn't that crazy? Think about it. There's so much of reverence on the outside where people are standing. They come out of their house. Because every day you get up and you're going to work and you're walking down the street and people know that you're going and you're walking. Imagine everybody came out of their houses just because you're out on the street. You'd be like, yeah, that's right. I'm the most powerful man. And you would do it a lot more and more and more because you're getting the external attention. And every time you go towards the tent, people are in reverence to Moses, but not just to Moses, but the God who speaks to Moses. So externally, people are giving him so much respect. They step, whatever, they, if they're eating, they see Moses going to the tent of meeting. Hey, stop eating that. Moses' uncle is walking. Ah, while I'm eating only, he'll go to the tent of meeting anyway and they'll come out and they'll stand they'll stand in reverence they see him disappear inside the tent they'll stand in reverence then they'll wait for the cloud to come out they'll stand in reverence the cloud will come around the tent hovering they'll stand in reverence and the moment God meets him everybody's like bowing down I don't know how long they were bowing down until the end of the meeting I don't know But they were bowing down. Nobody had six, you know, one pack. I'm sure everybody had six packs bowing down every day. Moses going to the tent of meeting, bowing down, bowing down. Externally reverence. Externally showing respect to the presence of God. Externally showing that you are spiritual. Externally showing that that you give great reverence to God. And then when Moses goes inside the tent of meeting, there's God sitting like a friend. Hi. Just saying hi. He's saying, he spoke to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. As much as external reverence is going on the outside, inside the tent, there was a personal relationship. Inside the tent, there was a deeper friendship. Inside the tent, there was not this big dramatic communication. It was simple. It was simple. Many people find it hard to follow God because you're stuck in the religiosity of Christianity on the external. You can stand in reverence all day. You can walk around the church hundred times. You can bow down and walk in the church 250 times. You can show how reverent you are in your tithing, in your offering, in your worship. But on the inside of the tent, which is you, do you have the friend, the great friend, the one that you need? Do you have that personal connection, that personal relationship? You can perform on the outside, but you cannot perform on the inside. You can perform Christianity in front of everybody, but you cannot perform Christianity to Jesus. You can perform holiness and righteousness to people outside, but you cannot perform holiness to Christ who is inside you. You can't do that. It's not possible. He's on the inside. He's the inside. He's on the inside of your tent, of your life. Outside, you can show off. People might respect you for that. On the outside, you could be saved for 30 years. You could be saved for 40 years. But how much of a personal relationship you have with Jesus? Christianity is real, my friends. It's not a religion. It's a real relationship with God. And he's ready to talk to you like a friend. Moses on the outside would have walked like the great Moses. And he's walking because everybody's bowing down. But the moment he wins inside the tent, he's like, oh Jesus. And God is like, ah oh, Moses, mm, come, come. People know a Moses, but Jesus knows knows Moses. There's a big difference there. People know you for who you are and your personality and what you display to others. But God knows who you are when nobody is watching you. And He still wants to be your friend. This is why many people have this question can God be my friend? Like, come on, if he really knows me, why would he want to be my friend? Because I am messed up. I am broken on the inside. There are some things that I don't want anybody to see. Definitely not him. And the beauty of it is that he's already there. He's already there. And he wants to set you free we all know historically sin separated us from the friendship with god when sin came adam had to leave his relationship with god and it is sin that separated us from our relationship with god when you're looking for a friend when you're trying to find a friend what do you always look for you look for commonalities right hey you like blue ah huh? hey you also like blue <laughs> hey you like, you're a foodie ah huh? I went to Superstar Pizza last week. You want to go with me? Come, let's go try again. Hey, you're, you're also a, a, a DC fan, huh? Oh, you're, you're Chelsea. Chelsea, Where's, where are the Chelsea fans at? Or Man United? Oh, shame on you people. May salvation come to you. So we try to look for commonalities, right? We, we, we try to look for people who are kind of like connect with us, or look alike, or think alike, or, or talk alike, or feel alike. or You know, you, you look for commonalities. What commonality do we have with God? This is one thing that many people struggle with. You say, God wants to be my friend, pastor, but what, what, do, you, what do we have in common? I mean, He's holy, And I am sinful. He is full of love. I am full of hatred and bitterness. He is forgiving. Oh my goodness, I don't want to forgive. I want revenge. He is patient. I am selfish. He's a great communicator. He wants to talk. Everything that you see around you, the clouds, the hell, you know, the sun, the moon, the nature. God is talking to us through everything that you see around us. From the morning, you wake up till the sun goes down, and even when you sleep in your dreams, God wants to communicate to you. He's a great communicator. Whereas us? we like to hide. When something is messed up, we like to hide. That's what Adam and Eve did. They hid in the Garden of Eden because they sinned against God. When we mess up, we are not good in talking. We are good in hiding. We hide. He's a God of truth. Whereas I am full of lies, full of hatred, full of bitterness, full of unforgiveness. What do I have in common with the great God? How can he be my friend? I want to talk to you about three big myths about friendship. And maybe if we break this cultural myths, you'll be able to understand why God wants to be your friend. The first myth is that friendship just happens. Friendship just happens in It just... How did you guys become (laughs) friends? He's the only guy who came and spoke to me in the first year. (laughs) You ask the other guy, why did you become... He's the only guy who came and spoke to me, so I became friends with him. How did friendship happen? It just happened. Most people say this answer. It just happens. It just happens. We could probably connect like that, it just happens. But just happens will not su- survive to maintain friendship. Friendship does not ha- just happen on its own every day, it has to be looked after. You need to put effort into friendship, you need to go through some pain in friendship. You need to be intentional about friendship. It's hard work in friendship. You need to spend money in friendship. If you both don't have money, you look at people who've got money and you just stare at them in friendship. <laughs> but friendship takes hard work. It just does not happen. The second myth is this is, why, this is why, Pastor, I understand what you're saying in the first point. I agree with you in the second point now. Because the second myth is, I'm just too busy for friendship. I don't need friends. Like you said, Pastor, it's hard work. I need to put in a lot of effort. Spending money, no way. I'm just too busy for friendship. Many people have come to this cultural point of view that it's okay for me to be alone and I can live without friends and it's absolutely fine. Who said so? That's not how God has designed us to be. God has designed us to live in community with each other. In relation, but Pastor, I tried, it just doesn't work. What has ever worked in human relationship? You've got to keep trying and trying and trying and trying. There was a couple that they interviewed who's been married for almost, you know, um, almost, I think, 55 years. And, and the, the young couple, they were so inspired by this older couple and said, man, you guys crossed 50 years in marriage how to be a good husband, how to be a good wife. They both picked up the mic and they said, we are still trying. <laughs> we are trying. In other words, you're not going to get it right just because of the amount of years you're going to spend. As time goes, new problems will come. But you've got to keep trying and trying and trying. That's what you have Called to be, that's what God has designed you to be. Proverbs 18.1, it says, can we have Proverbs 18.1? It says, unfriendly people care only about themselves. They lash out at common sense. Unfriendly people care only about themselves. So if you don't want to have friends, you only care about you and yourself. In other words, and this is not me saying, don't, don't give me stares, okay? This is the Bible saying, in other words, people who choose not to friend, have friends are selfish. Ouch. I'm not selfish. How dare you say that? Well, if you want to complain, you can send an email to Jesus or anybody who wrote Proverbs. And you can fix that. It's there in the Bible. It goes to show that you've got to go out of the way. You've got to go out of the way to make friends. You've got to break away from your comfort zone to be in a friendship relationship. If you're going to say, I'm going to be here, you come to me, it's not going to happen. It takes both ways. I'm too busy for friendship. That's a myth. The third thing is, friends are meant to make me happy always. That's another myth. If he's my friend, if she's my friend, she's not supposed to hurt me. He's not supposed to hurt me. Uh, hello? If, it's, if it hurts, it means you cared. If you cared, it means he or she is your friend. If you don't care, it's not friendship. If you care, it's going to hurt. If it hurt, it means you cared. It's a myth to say, friends are meant to make me happy always. And it's also I want to add, give this an extra bonus. It's not there in the slide. You can also apply this in marriage. If you're going to go into marriage saying the marriage is going to make me happy, hey, I've been married happily for six years. Don't judge us, all right? But I brought happiness into my marriage, as my wife also brought happiness into marriage. Feeling happy and Yes, Sam, you can clap for us. That's all right. You can clap for us. Come on, man. You want to feel happy in any relationship? You got to give it to receive it. The reason why my wife survived six years in Trichy is simply because of a good-looking man that she found in Trichy. And Auntie Mano is giving me a great clap. And I'm going to get told off for this later, and that's okay. God has given me the courage of, spirit of boldness and courage this morning. Pray for me. If you go into any relationship thinking that relationship is going to make you better, how are you making that relationship better? That's the first question you're going to ask. It's a myth to say, friends are meant to make me happy always. Friends will never hurt me. No, 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 no. If you have a friend who has never hurt you, you've got to really check who that person is. All right? You've got to really find out what their intentions are. If they're always doing smooth talks with you, you'll be the smoothie at the end. Hey, quotation for the week Be careful. Because real relationships will have ups and downs. Real relationship will have hurts, pain. But through that, you find love. You find care. You find encouragement. You find joy. You find peace in that at the same time. That's the beauty of friendship. That's the beauty of how God has created relationships. Now, how does this apply to us as Jesus being our friend? Let's go, to, let's go to John chapter 15. If you've got your Bibles, go with me to John chapter 15, verse 13 to 16. It says, there is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friend. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you slaves because a master does not confide in his slaves. Now you've got to understand the culture of which the New Testament was written and the context and the time because masters and slaves will not have a relationship. Now you might think, oh, Bible encourage mastership and slavery. It's just a different term for employment those days. People went into slavery voluntarily because that's what paid them, okay? So there's a, that's a whole different setup, I'll tell you or explain to you another time. But basically, it was employment at that time. So what God is saying is that in this relationship, I'm not your boss, you're not my employee. But we are friends. Friends. This is not a monetary transactional relationship, but this is more than that. So now you are my friend since I told you everything the Father has told me. You didn't choose me, I chose you. I appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit so that the Father will give you whatever you ask for using my name. What a beautiful thing. Can God be your friend? Yes, He can. And you know why? Because He was intentional to reach to us. He put in the hard work so that we don't have to put in the hard work with Him. In the beauty of the relationship and friendship that we have with Jesus Christ is that, All you need to do is abide in him and confide in him. That's all you need to do in your relationship with Jesus. And he will accept you just the way you are. He will talk to you. He will listen to you. He will hear your prayers. He will answer them. He will be in a loving, caring, kind, patient, tolerant relationship with you. He's not a friend who would walk away because you throw an attitude at him. He will remain and stay and talk. He's not a friend who will block you on WhatsApp because you didn't wish him on his birthday. Happy Christmas, Jesus. He didn't put a status this week on Christmas. It's my birthday. Block him. I'm trying to be culturally relevant here. Are you all with me? Don't look at me like, what is he talking about? People get offended. Now, I need to, I had to adjust with these new cultural developments as a pastor, really. In the beginning of the church planting, I used to call everybody on their birthday and wish them. And I later understood. That you don't have to call young people these days to wish them on their birthday. They find it really weird. But if you don't post a status, oh my goodness, you have offended them. I still call. I'm old school. He's not a friend who just gets offended so easily. He's not a friend who will block you. He's not a friend who will be distant from you. No matter how you are, He's a gracious, caring, loving friend who is constantly reaching out to you and I. He went through the pain so that you and I don't have to go through the pain. He's a friend who took all the pain you and i so what it says no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friend he took the bullet for you he took the bullet of sin on himself when you were shot the bullet of shame upon you immediately jesus jumps in front and takes the bullet of shame upon himself When somebody wants to put you down, he immediately jumps in the front and says, Hey, that's my friend you're talking about. If you want to touch him, if you want to touch her, you need to go through me. That's the kind of friend you have. He's somebody who will always protect you. He's somebody who has already protected you by his blood. He's somebody who is caring for you all the time he's the only gracious friend you can ever meet but yet so glorious in his nature the only gracious friend who's always so gracious towards you where can I find a friend like this it's Jesus it's Jesus if you can get into a real relationship with Jesus it is not too late Forget about the external performance. What is happening inside your tent matters. Forget about what others see on the outside. What is happening inside your tent is the most important thing. Because what flows on the outside should come from the inside. What you do for others should come from your loving relationship with Jesus. If you want to be kind to others, you experience kindness from Jesus. If you want to be generous to others, you receive His generous blessing. If you want to be patient and self-controlling, then you experience that from Jesus. Whatever you shall receive on the inside is what you can give on the outside. Many people keep their inside empty, but they are performing externally out of their emptiness. It won't go far, my friends. It won't go far. The alarms will keep beeping. You're running on empty, you're running on empty, you're running on empty. You can pray for others. You'll be reading word, Bible verses to others. You'll be sending WhatsApp forwards to others. But are you praying? Are you receiving from God? Are you having a personal time with God? How deep is your relationship with Jesus? Are you inside the tent of meeting? He's ready to meet you face to face and talk to you like a friend. Like a friend. Simple Beautiful conversation. You don't have to have a worship band to go into his presence. You just need to say, hello God, here I am. Just talk to him. Just talk to him. Just talk to him. him. You might find it extremely hard to tell others what you are going through. But Jesus is already waiting to listen to what you are going through in your life and he's ready to touch you, change you and transform your life. Just get a face-to-face with Jesus. Just get into a deeper relationship with Jesus. And the beautiful thing about this relationship with Jesus, this friendship that we have with Jesus is that he's ready to reveal everything to us. In other words, he's saying, hey, if we start this friendship, there's no secrets. There's no secrets. From my side, there's no secrets. From my side, God, there might be some secrets. I'm not sure if I'm ready to open up everything to you. God is like probably smiling on the inside even before you were going to hide what you're going to hide, I knew what you were going to do and I knew that you were going to hide it, hence I'm here to meet you. The very reason he wants to meet you is about the things that you don't want to open up to him and yet he is there. Come on. Would you ever speak to somebody who knows that they're intentionally hiding something from you? Would you speak, make an effort to speak to them? Would you? You won't. You won't. Probably the first time you would want to find out what it is. You want to get a face to face with them so that you can tell them to their face that they are hiding something from you and that you're really angry about it and that you will never, ever, ever take them to ice cream ever again. And you want to block them. Today, blocking you know in social media is equal to death, man. Oh my goodness, you blocked me. I'm like, okay. I'm feeling the generational gap already. I sound like my dad. Okay. (laughs) Blocking is like a crazy thing. And people lose their mind over it. And emotionally, we block people out. Socially, we block people out. Because you know that there is no transparency in that relationship. But you know what the beauty of Jesus is that? Because you're hiding something, he wants to talk to you. And the beauty of it is that he knows what you're hiding and he knows that he can fix it and he knows that he can bring you out of it and he knows that through his blood and through his relationship and through the love and through the grace that he offers, what is hurting can, one will, can become a healing and what is healed can become a story and what can become a story can become a testimony and that testimony will bring glory to God. So when you hide, he comes out to you. That's the kind of friend he is. When he knows that you can't open up, he gives you words to speak to him. That's the beauty of this friendship that you have with Jesus. My friends, he's a a friend who will never, ever fail you. He will not fail you. Proverbs 18:24, it says, There are friends who destroy each other, but a real friend sticks closer than a brother. Many of you would have experienced this. You cannot share some things with your own family, but you will say it to a friend. You will not be able to say it to your own brothers or your own sister or your parents, but you can say it to a friend. And God wants to draw near you like a friend. Things that you can't even share with others, you can tell him. Revelation chapter 1 verse 17 and 18, it says, When I saw him, I fell at his feet as if I were dead. But he laid his right hand on me and said, Don't be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I died, but look, I am alive forever and ever. And I hold the keys of death and the grave. The friendship that you have with Jesus will bring you eternal life. In Revelation, you see that, you know, he's on a vision and he sees Jesus. And because he sees Jesus, he drops dead and he's on the floor. And Jesus is saying, you don't have to be afraid. I am your friend. Yes, I'm seated in the heavenly throne. I have the power. I have the keys to death and grave. But you are my friend. So get up, stand up, you shall live. Your friendship with Jesus will keep you alive forever. Forever. Your relationship with Jesus will keep you alive forever. Now I am not teaching you immortality theology. You cannot escape physical death simply because of the relationship with Jesus. Death is to all of us. But you, there is no death for your soul because you can be alive in Jesus. Your relationship with Jesus will keep you alive for eternity. I'll ask the worship band to join with me on stage. Revelation 3.20, it says, Look, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice and you open the door, I will come in and we will share a meal together as friends. Here is God again speaking from the heavenly perspective. In Revelation, it's still a vision of what is happening in heaven. And even in the heavenly perspective, God is saying, Look, I stand at the door and I knock. Everybody, please pay attention here. I stand at the door and I knock. He is not a a kind of friend who forces himself into your life. There are some friendships you had just, you just couldn't say no. <laughs> Have you had those kind of friendships? Like you just couldn't say no, they just, they just turned up in your life. It's not by choice, but they just turned up. You just do not know if it's going to end good or end bad, but you just had to be with it. But what God is saying is that I will not force myself into into a relationship with you, into a friendship with you. I stand at the door and I knock. And if you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in. Here is a friend who's ready to take the first move into your life. All you need to do is say, come Lord Jesus. Come Lord Jesus. And he says, I will share a meal together as friends. John 5, 24, it says, I tell you the truth. Those who listen to my message and believe in God who sent me have eternal life. They will never be condemned for their sins, but they have already passed from death into life. This is a life-changing verse, my friends. In other words, there is no condemnation for those who believe in Jesus there's no judgment for those who believe in Jesus you'll be rewarded but there is no judgment I tell you the truth those who listen to my message and believe in God who sent me will have eternal life they will never be condemned for their sins but they have already passed already can you, can you imagine that? As you walk into your examination room and they tell you, Hey, you're writing exam today. That's great. I just want to let you all know the exam that you're writing is just for formality. You're all already passed. Now that's the reaction I was expecting for that verse. It makes sense to you now? Many Christians are living that in this expectation that after your death, you have to write an exam to get in. After a death, you have to write an exam for you to pass. Then why do you need the cross now? Why do you need the grace now? Why do you need The blood of Jesus now, because if I go with my identity, I know I will fail. But I am not going with my identity. I'm going with my with the identity of Jesus Christ, who's the King, who's the Savior, but also my friend. Imagine you go for a great VIP concert, uh, for a great concert, and you get a VIP pass. It's because Air er Rahman is your friend. You feel special. You get what? A triple A badge. All area access badge. You can go behind the stage. You can talk to people there. You got access. Turn to the person next to you, sitting next to you. Look at them and tell them, hey, you've got access. You've got all area access. You've got access because of the name Jesus. Come on, tell them. You got access. Because of the name Jesus And because of the name Jesus You have permit to go in And the person standing at the gate Will look at your pass and say You can pass through You can go Because your ID Your identity Is in Christ Jesus Now how do you have such How can you experience that? is when you intentionally also choose to live in the identity of Christ here and now. Now this does not mean you will do all the sins that you want and then at at the end of your life you'll put the ID card of Jesus and walk into heaven. No. You start living in that identity here and now. And He will never fail you. He will never fail. So the answer to the question is, can God be your friend? Yes, he can. Can God be your friend? Yes, he already is your friend. What do I need to do for God to be my friend? You just need to meet him. You just need to meet him. That's all. Thank you for listening to our sermon today with us. Hope that it was a blessing for you as well as your family. And if you would like to support our ministry, you can do so by visiting kingcitychurch.org forward slash gif. And we will meet you with another inspiring sermon next week. God bless you.